the story of Henrietta Street begins in the early decades of the 18th century. When two opposing rows of red brick terraces were laid out by Luke Gardner, these were houses unlike any other built in Dublin before, built to serve as spaces for living in and as vessels for the display of wealth and taste in furniture, paintings and customs. You are listening to To Preserve and Protect Contemporary Issues in Irish Cultural Heritage A podcast series from the Royal Irish Academy funded by the Heritage Council To listen back to other episodes in the series check out the page on the Royal Irish Academy's website at ria.ie Charles Duggan is Heritage Officer for Dublin City Council this podcast is entitled 14 Henrietta Street and the Making of a Museum. James Joyce's short story, A Little Cloud, published in Dubliners in 1914, just a few short years after the 1911 census recorded nearly 1,000 people living in Henrietta Street's palatial 18th century mansions, offers up a somewhat detached and bleak picture of the street's decline and decay. The story's protagonist, Little Chandler, a clerk in the Registry of Deeds, quote, emerged from under the feudal arch of the King's Inns, a neat and modest figure, and walked swiftly down Henrietta Street. The golden sunset was waning and the air had grown sharp. A horde of grimy children populated the street. They stood or ran in the roadway or crawled up the steps before the gaping doors or squatted like mice upon the thresholds. He picked his way deftly through all that minute, vermin-like life, and under the shadow of the gaunt spectral mansions in which the old nobility of Dublin had roistered." This evocative image of Henrietta Street presents a picture of squalid legacy in striking contrast to its splendid origins. While the narrative of squalid legacy can now be challenged and made more nuanced, it is the bookends to the street's rich and checkered social history from Georgian beginnings to tenement dwellings that the 14 Henrietta Street Museum seeks to interpret and exhibit. The story of Henrietta Street begins in the early decades of the 18th century, when two opposing rows of red brick terraces were laid out by Luke Gardner on a cul-de-sac running perpendicular to Drumcondra Lane, now Bolton Street. These palatial houses were built to serve as spaces for living in and as vessels for the display of wealth and taste in furniture, paintings and customs. These were houses unlike any other built in Dublin before, whose first inhabitants were members of Ireland's powerful ruling class, who within the walls of these houses forged alliances and relationships that shaped the political and social landscape of 18th century Ireland. Among their ranks were noble peers, eminent politicians, high-ranking clerics, social climbers and distinguished military men. 14 Henrietta Street, our museum, dates from circa 1748, and along with its neighbours numbers 13 and 15, were among the last houses built by Gardner on this street. Number 14 has an illustrious roll call of 18th century residents. Its first, and arguably one of the street's most distinguished residents, was General Richard, Lord Viscount Molesworth of Swords, who moved there in 1751 with his wife, Mary Jenny Usher, and their growing family. He was one of the street's most senior and celebrated residents, having been created Lieutenant General and Commander-in-Chief of the Forces in Ireland in 1751 and Field Marshal in 1757, the year before his death at aged 78. 
After Molesworth's death, his widow Mary and their family left Henrietta Street and were replaced in the house by the Right Honourable John Bowes, Lord Chancellor of Ireland, who rose from humble beginnings in London to become one of Ireland's most notable legal minds and a distinguished peer of the realm as Lord Baron Bowes. The third resident of number 14 was Sir Lucius Henry O'Brien, third baronet of Limana and Dromoland, who moved to the house following the death of Lord Bowes in 1767. He and his wife Anne French were to spend the following three decades at the house with their growing brood of children. O'Brien was eventually succeeded there by the Anglican clergyman Sir John Hotham, Bishop of Clogher, and after him by Charles Dillon Lee, 12th Viscount Dillon, who left the house in 1800, only after five years of occupation. Gradually, from around 1800, and over the next 30 years, Henrietta Street's status as an exclusive enclave for Ireland's ascendancy had changed. Mid-ranking members of the legal profession began to be attracted to the street by the presence of the newly built King's Inns. Number 14 was one of the first houses on the street to be occupied by the professional classes, when in 1800 attorney Peter Warren took the house. He was to live there for the next 40 years. From 1850 to 1860, 14 Henrietta Street was the headquarters of the Encumbered Estates Court, the NAMA-like entity established in post-famine Ireland to administer the sale of bankrupt estates across the country. The house's grand reception rooms and bedchambers were changed to offices for commissioners, their clerks and a housekeeper. The substantial courthouse at the end of the garden was converted to the commissioner's courthouse. Following the removal of the encumbered estates court, the house was occupied by the multiple families of the Dublin militia stationed nearby in Linen Hall barracks. The presence of the militia families was the cause of much upset amongst the street's legal profession and may well have precipitated the street's abrupt transformation to tenements within the next 20 years. Following intense lobbying by the benchers of the King's Inns, the disruptive army families were finally moved out in 1876 and number 14 was put up for sale. It was purchased by businessman Thomas Vance, who set about its conversion to tenements. Vance was a prolific businessman. He had been chairman of Blackrock Township and at the time of his death had become a significant property owner. Interestingly, he was the proprietor of a number of model lodging houses for the working classes in the city. He established an affordable lodging house for single men at Riders Row and another on Lower Bridge Street, which had a lodging house, a bathhouse and a schoolhouse arranged around a courtyard with a central fountain, for which tenants paid between one and three shillings a week. His lodging house on Bishop Street was known as Vance's Buildings, which apparently boasted every appliance for sanitation and comfort. At number 14, Vance set about converting the house into what has been referred to by Charles Dawson, MP, as a better class of dwelling house. Its basement kitchens, ground and first floor reception rooms, its bedchambers, dressing rooms, nurseries and closets, and even its grand two-storey front stair hall were converted into 19 tenement flats. The larger rooms on each floor were carved up by timber-framed partitions to form flats of three or more subdivisions, while the smaller back rooms were left as single rooms with the adjoining closets used as a separate bedroom. In 1878, the house was ready for tenants and a notice appeared in the Irish Times classified ads, which read, quote, To be let to respectable families in a large house, Northside, recently papered, painted and filled up with every modern sanitary improvement, gas and WC on the landings, vartry water, drying yard, 
and a range with oven for each tenant. A large coach house or workshop with apartments to be let at the rear. Applied to the caretaker, 14 Henrietta Street, unquote. There wasn't a single condition of tenement life. The house and indeed the whole street, which by the early 1890s had been almost entirely converted to tenements, to become what Ellen Rowley called a citadel of homes for hundreds of families of different sizes, backgrounds and circumstances. By 1911, number 14 was filled with 17 families amounting to 100 people, while over 934 men, women and children, about whom we know very little, lived on the street. It is surely a reflection of the anonymity of poverty and what E.P. Thompson called the enormous condescension of posterity, that the vast and intense history of the many hundreds of families who lived out their lives in the same houses as the most high-ranking families in 18th century Ireland has passed largely unrecorded. By the 1970s, many of the families that had formed a strong and lasting community on the street had moved away, mostly to the city's new suburban cottages, and many of number 14's 19 tenement flats were left empty and abandoned. Then, in 1979, the front door of the house was shut for good and its tenement history came to a sudden end. From the early 1980s to the 1990s, caretakers lived in the house and began to carry out well-meaning but fundamentally ineffective efforts to safeguard it from the weather. They also began to revert its rooms back to their Georgian origins by ripping out partitions, removing linoleum from the floors, stripping multiple layers of wallpaper from the walls, dismantling gas feeds and surface electrical wiring, and removing modern fireplaces, leaving behind crumbling pockmarked walls, gaping holes in fireplaces, layers of peeling wall surfaces, and only fragmentary vestiges that hinted at the house's tenement history. Then, in 2008, having remained empty and denuded since the 90s, and following protracted legal proceedings with its former owners, Dublin City Council commenced a decade-long process to rescue the house from dereliction and ultimately the creation of the 14 Henrietta Street Museum. Emergency stabilisation works were required to address serious structural issues inherent in the house's construction and in more recent times from major defects arising from a prolonged period of neglect and decay. By this time, the house was approaching imminent collapse. The stabilisation works involved the complete reconstruction of the house's rear basement calpstone wall and the insertion of structural ties at its four external corners and the replacement of rotted floor joist ends so as to reinstate the house's structural integrity. The second phase of work, undertaken between 2011 and 2012, aimed to make the building weathertight by repairing 18th century sash windows and, where necessary, making new windows along with new external doors and temporary repairs to the roof. With the building now secured from the elements, the council began exploring temporary cultural uses in number 14. With no plumbing of any kind and only a temporary electricity supply, we staged the play Living the Lockout by the immersive theatre company ANU in partnership with the Irish Congress of Trade Unions and the Irish Heritage Trust. It was arguably the most critically acclaimed commemorative event of 2013. The house in its raw state proved to be a potent, if somewhat inauthentic, setting for the drama, acting as a silent witness to the suffering of those who lived inside its walls a century before. This event and subsequent temporary cultural projects led to the development of a proposal by Dublin City Council for a permanent museum in the house. Then, in 2015, with a centenary capital grant from the Department of Culture, Heritage and the Gaeltacht, 
Dublin City Council set about the creation of the 14 Henrietta Street Museum in which to exhibit and explore the house's Georgian and tenement histories. With a threefold strategy to hold, to recover and to support, we worked to conserve, repair and reinstate fragile traces of human occupation embodied in the fabric and form of the house, internally and externally from across time. We carried out extensive repairs and reslated the failing roof and chimneys, introduced structural improvements to increase the crowd loading of floors and stairs, and installed complex building services to provide heat, power and communications and audiovisual facilities to the museum and to the office floors, without impacting on the house's special character. New interventions supporting universal access and new public facilities to the museum were also introduced. The internal conservation works and the curatorial and exhibition development were somewhat integrated processes, which had as their shared brief the concept of building as primary artefact. Both processes were strongly influenced from the outset by newly commissioned academic research investigating the street's 18th, 19th and 20th century social and architectural histories. However, it was the intensive process of engagement with the community of former residents of number 14 and other houses on Henrietta Street and further afield that was intrinsic to the development of the museum's conservation and curatorial processes. Oral history interviews, reminiscence evenings and Remembering the Tenements Day events led to an outpouring of memories and personal testimonies recorded for us by the National Folklore Foundation. These oral testimonies offer at once deeply personal and shared experiences of life in the tenements, bringing us back into a Dublin that may look familiar, but was a very different place in many ways. Listening to memories of everyday rituals and common experiences allowed a deeper understanding to develop of how people made a living, what they ate and drank, and how they celebrated and commemorated life. Areas explored also included factory working, how women managed housekeeping expenses, the spatial division of Georgian rooms, sport and social life, and experiences with schooling. Although the focus was on Henrietta Street, the lives of the people on the street were part of a larger Dublin, and their stories encompassed the city. During reminiscence evenings with former residents held in number 14, we were to discover what features and finishes in the as-found house were important to recover or to conserve as is, be it a simple nail in the wall, the gas feed, the traces of gas lighting, graffiti, wallpaper or linoleum fragments. Their knowledge and the open way in which they valued the house's long and checkered history and their place within that narrative informed the recreation of the museum's immersive rooms, the repair strategy developed for the atmospheric backhaul and stairs and indeed to our decision to reinstate the grand 18th century front hall and stairs and the first floor Georgian rooms. Emerging from the oral histories and reminiscence evenings was a strong female voice of daughters, mothers, grandmothers and wives. And the themes which spoke loudest have informed for the most part our museum's exhibition content. These include domestic life, childbirth and maternity care, childhood and street play, and the displacement with suburban migration. Broader concerns of architectural history, housing conditions and rehousing programmes and the backcloth of 18th century cultural and social history informed by the archival research were also presented. Mrs Dowling's flat is one of our immersive tenement rooms. It represents one family's personal history. And while grounded in the deeply personal, it is also universal, embodying a shared living history from the period 1940 to around 1975.
The recreation of Mrs. Dowling's flat has been informed by physical evidence, the sharing of memories and by donations. Physical evidence told us the exact layout of partitions. It provided the pattern for the recreation of wallpaper and linoleum. It told us the position of light bulbs and gas wall lights. Shared personal memories by the Dowling family describe the family's life experiences, their childhood interests and later occupations. They describe the family's living arrangements, the kind of furniture they owned and where it was positioned, and the importance of the fireplace and overmantel to their lives. The donation by the Dowling family of personal items to the museum, supported by the careful sourcing of objects reflecting their shared memories, as well as donations by others, have also been crucial to the sense of authenticity and immediacy in the flat. Mrs Dowling's china cabinet and the china set it contained, a doll given by Lily Dowling after her father died in 1949, her father George Dowling's memorial card, holiday souvenirs Lily as a young adult sent for her mother from around Ireland, and even family photographs are now populating this flat. At 14 Henrietta Street, we have issued graphic and text-based information panels in favour of the immediacy of telling the story of the house and its residents from the 18th and 20th centuries through its architecture and fabric, through deeply immersive rooms and through the use of film and soundscapes, informed by archival research and the first-hand accounts of this house's former residents. End note. Dublin City Council is grateful to Shaffrey Architects and their design team, to Dr. Ellen Rowley, the museum's project curator, to GEM Construction, and to Dublin City Council colleagues Fiona Mead and Margaret Mooney. We are grateful to our team of historians and writers, Dr. Melanie Hayes, Dr. Tim Murta, Dr. Susan Gallivan, Dr. Kelly Fitzgerald, and Dr. Brian Hanley, Rasha Gowan, Paula Meehan, Sean Dunn, Sonia Kelly, and Colette Kinsella. We are grateful to David Skinner, Shirley Henderson, Christopher Moore, Ronan Costello, NoHo Limited, Big O Media, Artcade Film, and Peter Mabry. We are especially grateful to the project's advisory group for their guidance and support and encouragement. And above all else, we are indebted to the community of former residents who have shared their personal history to support the making of this museum. I will leave you with a poem written by Paula Meehan in response to this house and this museum's mesh of realities. Museum. As old houses harbour ghosts, so do words. Take museum, which comes down from the Greek, a place to put things that please the muses, a shrine or seat of the old goddesses. What you find here might not be what you seek. Rich, poor, citizen, commoner, lady, lord, Mortal trace made immortal by design. Surrender as you enter through their door. Know all are equal here. In time's brute trust we are held. The quick, the dead, the blessed, the cursed. Open heart and mind to those who've gone before to honour the muses, virgin, mother, crone and hope to glimpse them ninefold in this house, daughters of memory, oracles of grace. Thanks for listening to To Preserve and Protect Contemporary Issues in Irish Cultural Heritage a podcast series in the Royal Irish Academy funded by the Heritage Council. 
This podcast series was produced by Real Smart Media. To listen back to other episodes in the series, check out our page on the Royal Irish Academy's website at ria.ie.